healthcare. It happens here, and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man leaves. Nearly a two-word review just a shit sandwich. I will roll the record up to the last minute. That right there is a Welcome back, everybody, boys and girls, music lovers of all walks of life. You are now tuning into yet another exciting adventure with us here on Chunky Glasses, the podcast. I'm your host, Kevin, as usual, and uh, we've got a great little podcast for you this week. So I'm going to keep it short and sweet and tell you what we're going to do. Um, a while back, in I think it's like 2013, maybe. Uh, Somebody got the, the harebrained idea to take Big Star's third out on the road. They put together a stellar band, and uh, and they did just that. It was I, I saw the stop when they came to the 930 Club here in Washington, D.C., and it uh, it changed and rearranged a lot of what I I thought I wanted to do and, and, and what I thought about music, especially Big Star's music. And now uh, they have released a documentary of that film. It's called Thank You, Friends, Big Star's Third Live and More. And uh, and the soundtrack to it is essentially the documentary, minus some commentary here and here and there. It's a remarkable concert film. Uh, it is a remarkable soundtrack because Big Star was a remarkable band. It features people of the likes of Mike Mills, Chris Stamey, uh, our friend Skylar Goodaz in there, um, Jeff Tweedy, man, tons of people, Robin Hitchcock, everybody. It, it, it's it's jam packed with stars. Uh, to celebrate music that, quite honestly, I don't think can be celebrated enough. So, so being fans of this band, my uh, my neighbor Michael, he said, "Hey, should we talk about it?" I said, "Yeah, come on over. We're gonna talk about it." So that's what we did. We sat down, drank a few beers, and uh, talked about a band that is uh, one of the greatest American bands. Uh, that title, as you might have heard in the last two podcasts belongs to the uh, the Grateful Dead and after seeing the documentary which I'll talk, tell you a little bit about at the end here um, <laughs> there's there's no disputing it kids but but this band big star uh, certainly can uh, can sit sit alongside that you can like more than one thing is what I'm saying uh, so we're gonna be doing that and then as a bonus uh, it, because I love that album so much Oleander we're going to be playing a track from Skyler Goodass, even though you can hear her do a great version of 13 in this. But um, just to remind you guys that Oleander's out there. I think she's got a new album coming sooner, uh, hopefully rather than later. But I know uh, I know she's been writing songs for it, I think. Um, so that's her podcast. So if you guys are ready, comfortable, you got your beverage or, you know, LaCroix. Which flavor of LaCroix you guys like? I'm looking at a lime one right now. It's pretty good. Uh, and uh, and you're ready to sort of hang out and listen to the the origins, the masters of Power Pop Big Star. Let's go. Uh, this is me and my friend Michael talking about Big Stars. Thank you, friends. Big Stars, third live and more.
in there to drive up the property values, but none of that has to do with Big Star. Uh, welcome, n- neighbor Michael, Mr. Zwern. How's it going? It's going well. I'm glad you can make it over here on this Wednesday in uh, in the basement in Brooklyn, Washington, D.C. Scenic, uh, leafy, verdant Brooklyn. Finally. And, yeah. It's green. Yeah. It's popping. It's a gorgeous afternoon. I was I- stuck inside all day working on a deadline. Yeah. And I finally got outside just in time to watch the sunset, which is the opposite title of the first song on the Big Star's third record. Yeah. 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 Um, it's, uh, I, I will say this about, about here where we tape. Like, this is when it's all, it's all greens out and everything. This is one of the more beautiful neighborhoods in D.C. Or I think anywhere. I mean, this is, it's gorgeous up here. Uh, we, are, we are very blessed. And uh, this week we're sort of blessed because a uh, album dropped just two weeks ago. It was a documentary premiered at South by Southwest called Thank You Friends, Big Stars, Third Live, and more. Now, a little history behind this. Um, let's, a little history of Big Star first, and you can add in whenever mm-hmm. you want to here. They were, uh, in case you don't know, uh, an American power pop band. They're from uh, Memphis, Tennessee. This was uh, Alex Chilton, who has since been recognized as Possibly the greatest songwriter in rock and roll history. At least one of them. Uh, Chris Bell, Jody Stevens, uh, and Andy Hommel. Now, they broke up in 1974, mm-hmm. but not before leaving uh, three of the, I think, most greatly regarded albums mm-hmm. in rock and roll history. Uh, number one record, uh, Radio City. And then that was in 1972-1974. And in 1978, four years after they'd broken up, this weird ass album, Third Sister Lovers, uh, came out. Mm-hmm. This was the album, you know, number one record. If you like classic rock, if you grew up with anything like that, you know, if basically you had a friend who had a T Rex record and it had this, <laughs> uh, you know, and Radio City was just sort of like it was around, but you really had to sort of know a weirdo, I think, to get into Third Sister Lovers, and um, and so a bunch of weirdos who started bands because mm-hmm. of this. Yep. Decided it would be a good idea. Um, originally, it was meant to honor uh, Alex Chilton. And it turns out that the first time they went to perform these songs was two days after he died. Yep. A, cata- a real catastrophe because he was about to get all the recognition and the public acclaim yep. from his from his peers and from the music-going crowd that he had been unjustly denied throughout his life. Mm-hmm. And in, in, in the days leading up to that big sort of uh, you know showcase... He died, and it's sort of a tragic story because, as his um, partner then very angrily said, it was because he didn't have health coverage. Yeah. Didn't have health coverage. Uh, he was getting sick. Something was wrong. They were afraid to go to the doctor because they couldn't afford it. And he just died. And mm-hmm. this was a period of time, you know, after decades of sort of critical and cult acclaim, Big Star was going to sort of get a big commercial showcase. Absolutely. And didn't happen. I mean, the the songs of Alex Chilton and of uh, Chris Bell, who who died very, very early in very sad mm-hmm. circumstances of his own. I mean, the songs had sort of become indelible amongst a certain kind of of record buyer or music listener, the folks who then formed bands of their own in the 1980s and 90s. And all of them, you know, were all set to honor Alex Chilton's music and, and perform Big Star's Third in this big, you know, sort of showcase all-star kind of v- venue. And it didn't happen with Alex because he had just died. And yeah. now, a couple of years later, uh, they've done this film, they've done um, this record, which is uh, superb, and there have also been a number of books and documentaries yeah, recently absolutely. about Alex Chilton, and 
some of them are really, really interesting. There's Man Called Destruction, which I've read, and there's the uh, there's the uh, No One Can Hurt Me no documentary, Hurt Me documentary which, which is also fantastic. was released on a record yeah. by Omnivore, which is really good. Yeah, and it's like all these people who were my music heroes in the 1990s as a college rock dork. You're talking like Chris Stamey, you're talking like Mike Mills, all those uh, people. Jeff Tweedy, Jeff Tweedy, uh, yeah, uh, absolutely. Robin Dan, Hitchcock, Dan, Dan Wilson of yeah, Semi Sonic, Closing Time, in case kids, yeah. And then of course younger folks like Skylar Goodass are mm-hmm. are you know buddy as it were yeah. around here and. And then, you know, the arty stuff, which, um, which is represented on this record by, you know, Robin Hitchcock, legendary uh, pop music weirdo and, yeah. and delightful figure, and Kronos Quartet doing string arrangements. Yes. I mean, this is, I mean, this is really tremendous music, and it sort of hits a lot of different sweet spots for record buyers and listeners, because if you are a power pop fan like I am, um, and we've talked about Teenage Fan Club and yeah, yeah. Sloan and a lot of other bands that are sort of in the classic power pop. We do lineage. not mention Sloan in this space. <laughs> I actually like Sloan. I know, I know, I'm kidding. Uh, but then, of course, DBs, who are on this DBs, record, yeah. R.E.M. And uh, DBs were actually, uh, that was Chris Stammey. O.Z.'s. Yeah, yep, was, absolutely. Was one of the guys mainly behind this. No doubt. Before, it, before we get to yep. into this, I want to acclimate people. We've dorked out yeah, yeah, we, we, quite we, a lot. We, we, we got a little excited here because, you know, you may at this point be sitting here thinking, "Who the fuck's Big Star?" Yeah, who who are these guys? Are and these if guys? they're so important, why didn't anyone yeah play and, them and, for me at some point? The reason they're so important and who these guys are is this song that I'm going to play uh, called "September Girls," and it's because it is one of the best pop rock songs of all time. So, "September Girls" featuring REM's Mike Mills on lead vocals. I didn't hear that song until I was 21. Not dissimilar for me. I think for a lot of people of, of our generation, we heard them in college rock yes. because of all of the, 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 the successors that wanted to pay tribute from yes. the replacements to the Posies to Dude, R.E.M. Yeah, and, and being a huge R.E.M. fan, yep. like I heard this and immediately was like, oh, I that's, get, I get that's where, where everything from. came from. Yeah. I mean, and you can find every bit of jangle pop, like everything mm-hmm. that is moving forward from like the birds, absolutely, sound of the '60s and early '70s. I mean, it's you know what a, a trick that Big Star had was was, and I think this is maybe why their music has persevered so long. Is being from Memphis, they're in in the center of like soul, 
and and they're very familiar with soul music. They work with all these people. You hear horns that are like a little more obvious on on songs later in the track, and some of the songs we're going to play have these lush instrumentations with horns on them. But that like made its way into like all of the songs, I think. So it wasn't even just like that. That's more of a jangling guitar, but you can imagine. You know, these huge, like, Stax horns behind it. Well, you don't need to imagine it, because they were on Stax records. Yeah. They were on Stax records. So they had access to that tremendous sort of um, musical legacy of Tennessee. And, of course, years later, I mean, um, that would sort of be connected. Like, there's a song on Big Star's record, uh, Third, which was also called Sister Lovers for Reasons We Can Talk About. The song Jesus Christ mm-hmm. uh that's got a tremendous horn section on it. Yeah. And it's also one of the best religious rock songs about Christmas that you've ever heard written. Right. And every other rock song about Christmas is sort of some secular nonsense. This is actually the, the song about Jesus Christ. And it's entirely yeah. accurate from the, as I understand it, as a, as a sort of a non-Christian, as I understand the story of the, of the, of the Christ child, like they're actually reflecting on that story and they're using the horns and it's got a gospel tone to it. Yeah. These yeah. guys are from Tennessee. Yeah. <laughs> Right, right, but uh, and and you know, so that they they've got the soul built into it, mm-hmm. and and yet ended up like uh, what's the song in the street mm-hmm. ended up being the theme song of these of that '70s show. Yep, and it's performed all... by Cheap Trick, and they yeah. kind of I hope they made a lot of money for uh, for the band and their successors. Yeah, because I, I I certainly I mean I like Cheap Trick okay, but yeah. the Big Star version is better. Police, man, come on, no, Dream Police, Surrender, yeah, Dream Police yeah. is amazing. You know and. You know, but the point I'm trying to get at is that there was something uh, that had to hook all these musicians in, rather than just a good song. Sure. And um, the point of this album, you know, it is called Big Stars Third Live and More. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't play the album front to back. It's sort of a little jumbled up. Well, there's an interesting fact about that. There's never really been a conclusive determination about what the proper track listing was supposed to be. Right. The right, version yeah, of yeah. Third that I have is the Ryko disc version that was... Put out in 92. And what's the first song on that? First song on that is Kiss of Me, which is a, yeah. a dedication to his girlfriend, Laza Aldridge, at that time. Yep. So so that has, you know, like 14 tracks and then like five bonus tracks. But there were versions of the record that came out that ended in the song Holocaust, which is one of the most haunting, <laughs> yeah. depressing, mournful things you've ever heard on record. And and Alex Chilton was like, no, that wasn't the point of the record. But there's no one, no one really ever came out with a conclusive track listing for the record third because it wasn't released properly under their supervision during their right, lifetimes. Right, because, because essentially what happened was, is after, uh, after I think it was number one record, they essentially broke up. They broke up, and then they had a lot of stuff lying around, and Alex Chilton sort of performed the music under the name Big Star, but it wasn't really the same kind of band that he had had when he was working right. with Chris Bell, who had actually, by that point, I believe was already dead. Uh, he yeah. died in a, in a yeah. car accident. Um, and... Uh, and so it was called Big Star, but it wasn't really a proper Big Star record. There were people on the record that had been in Big Star, but it wasn't the same Dirty kind of... Stevens and, and Sheldon and, were the two yep, remaining that were, yep, were taking part and of it. And I think Hummel had sort of disappeared mm-hmm. and Bell was dead. So it was like the band was in it, in name only at that point. Yeah. So, you know, there wasn't like they had a record deal. No one was buying that stuff anymore. Right. And remember, and we haven't mentioned it, Alex Chilton had been a superstar. Yes. He had been a superstar Rock as a tops. boy. You know, number one <laughs> yeah. hit album... 
uh, the letter, give me a ticket for an airplane, yep. ain't got time to take it faster. He sung that song when he was 16. Yes. And he sounded like he was a 45-year-old which black is, which guy. Which is why all these guys who were just hanging around were like attracted. They were like, wait a minute, man. Well, this, is a, this is our ticket to ride here. He had had a number one record. Yes. And that's why he called his first album. Exactly. Uh, uh, number one record. You know, it, it's funny. You mentioned Chris Bell. Um, he, uh, like he said he's, he's absent on a lot of this stuff. But like the initial... Uh, charm of that record, number one record. It, it, it you know, you have to have the uh, Yin and Yang songwriters, mm-hmm. I think, for great yep. bands. You know, otherwise you turn in because a lot of, especially on third, this it turned into more like if you think about like the the later uh, John Lennon solo albums, exactly, and and, and it yeah. and it gave Alex a chance to explore like a more dark area. The norm would be pulled back. But one thing that's really great about this and. um one thing that was great when 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 he saw the show, I covered the show in two thousand ten or eleven. No, it would have been two thousand twelve. I think when they stopped at nine thirty. Mm-hmm. This is coincidentally when I learned all about uh, Skylar Goodaz, mm-hmm. uh, Brett Harris, uh, reengaged my uh, my love for the DBs. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was a it was if you had the chance to see this show, that it was a um, it it was just a celebration. Like and if you see the movie now in the document uh, in the documentary, you can tell that. But in the middle of everything, they decide to play something that isn't even a big star song, right? But I think like this doesn't exist without big star, and big star doesn't exist without this. It's it's sort of they, they circle the same orbit. Uh, I am the cosmos, and this was led by Chris Stamey, who's the DBs. Who was you know this song was was a cult hit, and people were just like, whoa, maybe. This guy Chris Bell was the guy, a big star. It was it was the real heat, uh, but it's a phenomenal song about uh, uh, about being miserable. And <laughs> well, uh, a lot of the best power pop yeah. is, is happy songs about being off, feeling awful. Yeah. So uh, this is "I Am the Cosmos," uh, sung by Chris Stamey, but uh, written originally by uh, Chris Bell. a complete badass to pull off that song. It takes an even bigger badass to, to write a song like that. But it's so, like, start to finish conflicted, mm-hmm. but captures mm-hmm. like this just poor soul. It's sort of self-loathing. <laughs> like, I, I hate to, oh, no, I never want to be alone, 
I hate, I hate to have, have to, to take you right, home. Right. It's like, wow, you're not happy with the person. You're not yeah, happy without, without the you person. You can't be pleased. You're oh, not happy. Yeah. You don't know what's going on. Yeah. You know, and, and including that in there uh, gets into a little of the darkness that was to be found on third. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, we what we haven't mentioned, uh, what we were talking off mic uh, about people who have covered the Holocaust. Um, and I and I think you have sort of a list, but, uh, but you know, one guy who covered that and... Uh, Kangaroo, which uh, honestly, the big star version, it is. This is a weird thing because it, he sort of did it twice. But Jeff Buckley, mm-hmm. uh, I don't think it's ever been recorded, but uh, you know, live he did do Holocaust occasionally. Yep, huge big star fan. Yep, uh, his most famous cover was, of course, Hallelujah. Uh, some would argue that he he defined that song. Uh, it's up in John the John Cale may disagree. Yeah. Yeah, you know, or uh, you know, or Leonard Cohen. I mean, oh, it's better it, than Leonard Cohen's version. By I don't know. Shot. I mean, people people have strong feelings about everything, but what was clear was that his version of Kangaroo mm-hmm. uh, was far superior to anything that's ever been made. Uh, he ended shows with it, and, and it was it turned it into this like punk rock like rave up, uh, which was the power of Jeff Buckley. But I think, you know, he was even pulling from like his dad, mm-hmm. Tim Buckley, who influenced these guys. You know, the the idea that you can't get weird in a pop song, hmm. like, originated, but there's just a small group of guys back in the 60s that were actually doing that. Well, so Alex Chilton and, and Chris Bell, of course, were very inspired by English, uh, particularly the Beatles yeah. musicians. But they, as you said, they're from Tennessee. They had sort of a soul mm-hmm. country rock roots. And, and if you listen to some of the other Chris Bell stuff, he did songs in a more of a country vein including versions of You and Your Sister, which are really yeah. lovely country songs. But, I mean, they were, they were very um, inspired by kind of like the idea that you take pop songs and then you aren't limited to the vocabulary of three and a half minutes with mm-hmm. chords and, and verses and then a bridge and then you have, you know, repeat the solo kind of stuff. What happened was that the first number, number one record, the first record by Big Star and then Radio City are really defining power pop. And that's got the songs that a lot of people will, will know if they've ever heard Big Star stuff covered, including September Girls and including some of the other stuff that was sort of like... Not Beal, not Ballad of El Goodo. Ballad of El Goodo, very Which wide, is amazing. widely this, covered this song. Is, uh, Absolutely. Uh, Dan from Semisonic sings this. Yep, a very widely covered song. But, you know, um, not that they were hit songs, because none of those records ever sold, but they're the songs that got kind of the defined the power pop genre. But then... On third, when Alex Chilton was sort of like A, without a record label, and B, without a full band, he was going to experiment. And he did all sorts of weird stuff in the second uh, half of the record, which included some weird instrumentation. He was playing a basketball as percussion for one of the songs. Yep. Uh, Some really depressive kind of uh, foreboding lyrics. Downs, uh, Holocaust, doing the basketball on. Yeah, uh, the uh, you know, nighttime, really, really beautiful but creepy song. Yeah, I mean, and we were talking about uh, off mic. If you want to get a really depressing list, think of all the people, the musicians you've known and loved who've recorded songs from Big Star's third and later taken their own lives. It's not a cause and effect, but there's a deep vein of of pain and sadness in this record. And yeah. And Alex Chilton was really kind of in a dark place writing a lot of this material. But it's also tempered by the fact that he had some innate songwriting instincts and knew how to make these swelling choruses and these beautiful guitar lines. And so it's got that deep undercurrent of sadness while you're still humming along to all the melodies because it's so tuneful. 
Yeah, what one of those is is actually uh, a song that arguably uh, some some copies of it have. This is the first track of, mm. of third. Uh, it is. Um, I, I like it because it is is it's subversive in in what it's doing. Um, it's it's very similar to I Am the Cosmos. Mm. You know, I, you, the guy is clearly not comfortable <laughs> in what he's doing, but uh, it's Stroke at Noel, and and it goes a little something like this. is one of them uh much like the replacements uh there's always the sort of standing for paul westerberg who <laughs> you know mentioning the replacements never go uh, uh, far without a little big star yep um he was a huge fan of them and uh this guy is is one of them he's the uh maybe a little too debaucherous <laughs> like you were saying maybe he doesn't know personal boundaries or maybe he does you don't know uh we we don't know the the best songs especially if you're talking about uh, relationships at whatever stage uh, they are in, I think, work when you don't know what point in a relationship they are. Mm. You know, this could be to somebody he's been with for like decades, and and you know, <laughs> and she's just like, "Oh, shut up." Yeah, I, I'm not so uh, I'm not so sanguine about that. It, right, seems, right. <laughs> it seems a little a little um, over aggressive, a little you know beyond uh, yeah. ordinary boundaries there. But so that's sung by uh, Ken Stringfellow of the Posies. Um, the one time that I saw Big Star play in Portland, Oregon in 2002, the Posies were both the opening band and they were the backing band for Alex Chilton and Jody Stevens. Yeah. So they were basically half of Big Star filling in for the, the missing Chris Bell, the missing Andy Hummel. Uh, and, uh, you know, the Posies had been inspired by Big Star for really since their creation. So that was nice, uh, a nice bit for them to turn around and, and support their heroes on stage. And then, of course, you know, 15 years later, here they are 
2017, and they're among the principals on this uh, tribute record and tribute uh, concert album. Yeah. So, you know, uh, you know, Ken, String- Ken Stringfellow really inspired by uh, both both Chilton and Bell, and, and they, they did covers of Chris Bell at, at times, too. So they're kind of inhabiting the, uh, the duality of the big star stuff where the, where the melodies are very catchy, but there's a real darkness to a lot of the lyrics. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's, you know, there's darkness and there's weirdness. And, and uh, that's all I want to get to pretty soon here is it, it has, has all that, I think. Um, again, you, you never know quite where these, these characters are uh, in Alice Chilton's narratives. Uh, but one of the characters sort of writ large in all the music, I think, is just love. Mm-hmm. And Alex Chilton, not, and not just the idea of love, not you're writing pop songs about love. Alex Chilton's or whoever, Chris Bell, whoever wrote it, uh, their search for love and what it's like to love as a young man, sometimes as an older man. Uh, there, there's a sweetness in all of their songs, and, and this is one of the reasons, one of the many reasons it persists, that we were all young once, <laughs> not so much anymore. Um, but there's a universality in in how people perceive the world, I think, and how people perceive like relationships to other people. That for some reason, this whole band was tapped into how to like convey that in a song. I mean, think about it, like in the streets. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like I never got you know like a hippie van, <laughs> but. You know, and and was looking for a joint, but I mean, I did something similar. I mean, that's being young, Ballad of El Gudo. Yep, and, and like, and, and you know, back of a car, back I mean, of a car. There's, there's like a lot of like young romance. There's a lot of sort of naivete, while at the same time, there's kind of excitement and a little fear going on. Yeah. In a lot of those songs, there's a lot of two person kind of give and take narratives in a lot of those in a lot, a lot of those selections and and when i think of the um you know kind of the the emblematic songs of power pop there's a lot of that too you know it's not a there's a, a lot of sense of sort of a jejun kind of like i want this person i love this person i must have this person but then with big star there's always a lot of undercurrents there's a going lot of on. undercurrents and, then, and there's a lot on this song that we're going to play this coincidentally this song was um when i walked into this show covering this uh I had no idea who Skylar Goodes was. Most people did not. Mm. She was playing coffee houses down North in, Carolina, in Raleigh, right? North mm-hmm. Raleigh, Durham, in in school. Uh, Chris Stamey had said he, you know, his producer down there had said, "Hey, uh, you should make a record." Took a while. Uh, you can actually she's she's been down here. Uh, interview. We talk about that process, so I'm not going to rehash it right now. Um, but at this point in the show. Stepping up to sing one of not just their most beautiful songs, but one of the most beautiful love songs of all time, that it still makes you feel uncomfortable a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's thirteen, so this is uh, Skylar Goodes with her, uh, her Raleigh Durham homie uh, Brett Harris, mm-hmm. uh, backing her up on uh, thirteen. Won't Get 
ticket for the dance And I'll take you Ooh. Won't you tell your dad Get off my back song uh, is performed by Skylar Goodass is, as the kids say, uh, sublime as fuck. It's magnificent. That, that is, you know, weirdly she's emulating Alex Jones. Like, the, the, it, it sounds like Big Star playing this, which is what's sort of amazing about all these things. There's a difference between covering a band and sort of assuming <laughs> their essence. And across this entire album, you have these artists, like you said, the Posies especially, who have just absorbed this into their souls and and who they are as musicians and never really let it out because it's not necessarily cool just to, what do you want to be, a Big Star tribute band? <laughs> no, you don't want to be that. But here they're allowed to do that. And every single one of them steps up to it. I mean, if you see uh, Jeff Tweedy on Kissing Me, you see where every single song off Ghost is Born came from. <laughs> like, every single track. And you see him so joyous to be able to do this song finally <laughs> it's 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 remarkable well you know in 13 is just one of those impeccably crafted songs and and uh and uh she just does a tremendous version mm-hmm. singing it and the acoustic uh guitar instrumentation behind it is just wonderfully done i mean it's just a really elegant version of a really well done song and it's it's genius now I've heard very bad versions of Thirteen. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I believe Courtney uh, Love has covered the song. I know uh-huh. Garbage has covered it. I think Garbage's version is actually not bad. Uh, Mary Lou Lord has covered it. Uh, um, Elliot Smith covered it. Like the number of people who've performed uh, El Goodo, Thirteen, September Girls. Like it's like a roster of like every alternative rock, indie rock, you know, cult favorite over the last yeah. twenty X years has performed those songs. It's, it's that or Lance uh, It's a standard yeah. in a certain sort of alternate universe mm-hmm. where these songs were huge hits. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not our universe. But no. amongst a certain, you know, a number of people who are deeply, you know, appreciative of and enmeshed in music, these are standards. You know, they're they're songs that everyone knows and can sing around so, uh, so how campfire do you, together. How do you as we as we sort of start to wind this up, how do you think that happened well you know it's it's interesting because like like you i think i came across big star through their second or third generation Mm -hmm. disciples you know replacements rem the bangles did a great cover of september girls the posies the stuff that was active in college radio in the early middle 1990s which was also the period of time that that uh, number one record and radio city were reissued on a single disc and then big then uh third and sister sister lovers was reissued by Ryko. So it was first 
time it had been widely available. Obviously, this is way before you know streaming services and MP3s. So all of a sudden, it was available to music listeners and really people who were attentive. But to, why would you reach for that? Because I, everything. I th- think I, about think about what sure, was out then. Sure, of course, there's tremendous stuff out there. But I think there was a real depth of feeling in Big Star's music that that really resonated with a lot of people. And I think third resonated with a different group of people than the folks who really loved the power pop singles on the first two records. Third, I think attracted a a certain folks who were a little darker in their sentiment, who, who saw a lot more ambiguity in the love songs, who, who saw a lot more hauntedness, whether it was drugs or alienation or whatever in the lyrics and if you listen to some of these lyrics, say, there's a lot of darkness. It's interesting you say drugs. Well, there's a lot of drugs uh, at that point in Alex Children's be, life. Be, yeah, because I uh, I don't think I heard third until I was like 25. Mm, yeah, I had so probably it got it when I was 22 or so. Yeah, and uh, it scared the fuck out of me. It's a scary I record. I was like, what? what is this weird ass... I just wanted the good time thing, <laughs> even though he's not really a good time. And uh, and it took, like, honestly, being on drugs to really to get it, for it to sink in. Like, I, can't, I can't profess that because I've never been on drugs. But, right. But that notwithstanding, I mean, I think the songs that, that immediately grab people are the ones that have the sort of the pop appeal. I mean, if you look at the track listing for Big Star... There are songs that everyone would love if you hear to thank you friends, which is going to be the closing mm-hmm. song on that on the tribute album, the closing song on a lot of uh, tributes to Big Star because that's sort of like the emblematic. Yeah, everybody comes out. Thank and you. Holds and, their hands. And, and you know and... what? Here's my little dork confession. In my college yearbook, the quote "Thank you friends" wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you is one of the quotes in my college yearbook entry. <laughs> so that is you know that is emblematic yeah. dorkness, but. But there's also, you know, You Can't Have Me, which is sort of like a Who song, yeah. a tremendous sort of like power pop rock song. There's stuff that everyone would love. And then there's stuff that, whoa, creepy. Creepy. Holocaust, Kangaroo, you know, well, so, so Nighttime. We, we, we were actually you know, getting that creepy side, but, I, you know, we've, I think we're going to try to get a sampling of Big Black Car, but we've talked a lot about Holocaust. Yeah, it's, it's a we, song that, that really does... You know, it is striking. And, and yeah. you know, if you're Jewish, and, and I am, you know, the use of Holocaust as a metaphor for someone's alienation yeah. and depression is a really kind of unpleasant one. Especially so, in the 70s. In that, the 70s, that, not, that, not, that not distant after, history. Yeah. Right. And this song later covered by This Mortal Coil, covered by a lot of really dark bands. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's a haunting, haunting this is, uh, thing. So, so, so hold on to yourself, kids. This is, uh, this is Holocaust. Your eyes are almost dead Can't get out of bed And you can't sleep You're sitting down to dress You're a mess You look in Leaving those 
laughing at your ears. Your mother's dead. She said, "Don't be afraid." Your mother's dead. You. Every time I hear that, it gives me the fucking chills. I mean, that and that line, your mother's dead, don't be afraid. I mean, that's... <laughs> what do you have to do to get to a place where you can write a song like that? You can't be okay. No, no. Alex, uh, Alex uh, Chilton was not okay when uh, he was writing yeah, a lot of this yeah, stuff. And I don't agree with the thing you have to suffer for your art. But to get that, you can't be okay. And somehow on third, it like stuff like that and images like that are just all over the album, and it just poured out into this. And this is why, like I was saying, it was a, it's a, it's a daunting, it's a scary record. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you haven't heard the other two, <laughs> like you well, imagine just like just blindsiding somebody with like sit down, <laughs> we're gonna turn off the lights and we're gonna put on third. <laughs> well, so it's a disorienting experience because. There is stuff on there that, you know, you would totally recognize and empathize with in a power pop rock mm-hmm. vein, you know. And then there's that stuff, which is very dark, and it is not really in the rock tradition at all. I mean, it's like a Scott Walker record yeah. or something like Jeez, that. It's yeah. like, you know, it's really dark, theatrical kind of stuff. And and you're like, wait, what happened to that band that, that did those power pop singles that everyone could sing along to? Mm-hmm. And it's the same guy. Yeah. Uh, which I think should be a message to artists today who want to stay in their lane. <laughs> you don't have to. I, I've heard a lot of, of been talked to a lot of artists, small artists, whatever. And, and in DC, like we know a lot of people here who are in like eight different bands, you know, and one myth I think we have created as a consumer is that if you do one thing then that's just, that's the only thing you do. You know, so Alex Chilton, hey, he writes a good pop songs. That's the only thing he does. When in fact, like if you talk to any musician, um, the scope, uh, part of the reason why they're a musician is because the scope of their knowledge of music and appreciation of all different kinds of music is vast. Mm-hmm. And in, as an example, you know, what, what the strings you're hearing in the background there are by the Kronos Quartet, yep. you know, the legendary new music uh quartet from san francisco and it's actually interesting i was looking at the track listing of this uh the performance on this big star tribute i've seen the overwhelming majority of these musicians on stage including chronos quartet and you know what what would connect a power pop guy like a, a chris Damey or a um uh, uh you know ken stringfellow with the art you know the art string quartet scene of a chronos quartet it's like well yeah. some really diverse songwriting and a lot of a lot of uh, well, a wide array of expression well, that that, hook, that big star and has. Hooks, that, hooks are, and also because hooks are not 
just like confined to popular music. No, there's a lot of yeah. I mean, obviously, people remember uh, Beethoven's Fifth. Be- Beethoven's Fifth, That's Brandenburg, good catch. All the Brandenburg concertos. Like, oh boy, everyone can hum that stuff. Yeah. So, um, so Kronos Quartet is out there providing those very shivering string arrangements behind the Django Haskins vocal, and it is really, really sort of creepy, haunting mm-hmm. stuff. And I, I mean. The versions I've heard of Holocaust, I mean, they, they arrange from maudlin and overwrought to really gripping. And this was on the gripping end of it yeah, because absolutely. They, have that, they have that subtlety well, uh, of the string and, arrangement, and, because, and then the singing is, is and because tremendous. And the is, is, is exactly what it says. It's a quartet. It's sparse. They do a lot with four instruments, mm-hmm. but it's not like you're going to have some like blown-out 40-piece symphony. Well, I'm thinking of like the November Rain Orchestra right, right, for right, Guns exactly. N' Roses. That wouldn't work. But you could do a version of that, and, sure? it would, and it would mean something completely different. This just adds to the isolation yeah. inside this narrator's head. Yeah, and, and, and you know, the, 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 your eyes are almost dead. I mean, you can't, yeah. can't get out of bed and you can't sleep. It's like, oh, that's a, yeah, devastating. And that, and that can either be, also, that's, that, can, that can be just depression, that can be drugs. It can be a combination of the it can two. Be grief. It can be grief. It can be sickness. It can be anything. Yeah, but it's but a it, dark place. Yeah, it's a super dark place. And um, uh, but I tell you what, when you see this group of people that collected to celebrate this uh band's songs, uh, it becomes uplifting and revelatory. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot it's, of joy in the in the performances here. There's a lot of joy. There's a lot of, you know, uh, there's a lot of uh, com- sense of community. A lot of the folks there, I think, yeah. had independently discovered uh, Big Star's music at one point or another in their lives, and then they were all together celebrating it in front of a large, appreciative audience for the film and for the, you know, for the group of people who were going to watch the documentary and who had, uh, you know, come to Big Star like I did long after the band had dissolved and many of the participants were, were were either dead or out of music like uh but i mean all sort of united in that appreciation for the contributions of uh chilton and chris bell and and uh you know hummel and and and, and, and uh, pat sansone yeah from, yeah, from yeah. Moco, who, of who course. is in his own regards a complete rock star mm-hmm. uh and uh you know they all um like you said they all came to this their own way and nobody on that stage it, it, you can hear it but if you see it, if you watch the documentary, nobody on the stage is judging of that. Mm. It doesn't matter how you got here; it's you're here. Well, I mean, obviously, I mean, I have no idea how old Scholar Goodass is, but but she's got to be half, maybe the age of uh, of some of the other folks on the stage. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Brent Harris, maybe less. So, I mean, like, there's a uh, there's a lot of intergenerational kind of appeal. I mean, if you come across Big Star, and if you're listening to this, and you never heard of the band before, and you're like, wait. These guys were around in the 1970s. Why didn't I hear of them? Well, it's okay. It's 2017. You can hear about them now, and you, you can, can still appreciate the music, and you can you can pick up on Chris Bell and his which records, is really which is wonderful. A, yeah, which is really a point that I think this, this album drives home, is that uh, we often forget that look, good music is just good music. You know, we've seen a lot of tribute albums, right? Yeah. And the tribute album to Big Star has not, was not good, by the no, way. No, it wasn't. Um, and that happens, and that's okay. Um, I mean, sometimes there's a cynical angle to it. With this, uh, I, I, it feels simply, it feels like it was the right time to do it, and it feels like it was the right people 
to do it. I mm-hmm. mean, you even like you were talking about like how old Skylar Goodass is. Never mind that. Like nobody knew who Skylar Goodass was, and yet here she is with Mike Mills, one of the biggest rock stars in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's up there with the guys from Wilco and the guys with from Jeff Tweedy, one uh, of the biggest rock stars in the yeah, world. Yeah, and, and she's just and to, then, totally and, rocking and then, it. And on... then underneath that, you've got Mitch Easter behind him, who oh, yeah. produced all these guys. And yeah, and 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 he's one of the connecting points. I mean that. Yeah, it, Mitch Easter is one of the connectors between the 1970s stuff and then the the generation of musicians that emerged in the 80s and, and early 90s that discovered it in you know used record bins yeah. before the internet mm-hmm. was around and sort of you know traded tapes back and forth and discovered those songs yeah. and so of course you know the people Mitch Easter produced who covered our who covered um Big Star included REM it included uh, the DBs of course it included his band Let's Active it included Game Theory yeah. all these bands that Mitch Easter from North Carolina, you know, yeah. had managed or produced, they all sort of discovered the the music of, of Chilton and Bell, and they kind of brought it to their audiences at that point in time. Yeah, and now it's getting handed off. Yeah, and not and again, not can't stress enough, not in a cynical way. No, no, you're not seeing. And and you know, look at the musicians on this. These are all respected career musicians, but these are not like people who appeared on a on a tribute record because it was for a good cause and they didn't really have an affiliation with the music. These guys are very sincere and you know, it is a deep part of their musical DNA and they're expressing that with a, with a degree of love and appreciation that you wouldn't get from someone who just sort of brought in for a studio session. Is it, uh, do you think it's a new standard for how to do this sort of tribute? Well, I mean, it's an unusual sort of cross platform thing because they did the touring show and I regrettably missed it, which is unusual because usually it's, it's one show. It's one show where they get together in, in a studio at different times and they record their tracks separately. Yeah. But here they got together, they toured as an ensemble and they presented the songs. They also uh, filmed the documentary, of course. And now they have the record out on streaming and on CD and everything like that. So you can come across it a lot of ways. And, and that's fantastic because I've seen some pretty good documentaries about Big Star. And of course, I've heard all the Big Star records, but... You know, this is reaching folks who might just, you know, be a big Wilco fan. They want to see yep. uh, Tweety in concert mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, and it's also reaching the folks who just like the idea of seeing the, the songs performed live. And you can see it in, a, in, a, in the touring venue, which, which I missed, but you got to see a couple of years back. Yeah. And so, and it's also being shown, I think, at film festivals and yep. such. So, I mean, it's really great. It's going to reach a lot of folks who didn't know the music when it was, around, when it was originally around. And I think it's also going to attract people who, who might have heard of the band but didn't really have a sense of the diversity of, of their songs. And, and I think that would go for a lot of people who knew a couple of singles that had gotten featured, whether it was on television shows or yeah. in cover versions, but didn't know the full range of Big Star's music. I, I, played, I played this album for somebody, a guest we had this weekend, and he's, he's my age, he had no idea who Big Star was. Yeah. And he was like, wait, I love this stuff. This is exactly the type of thing I love. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, right? Mm-hmm. This is uh, that's how it's supposed to be. So... Uh, in your estimation, sir, would this be a, a buy it, a try it, or a, or a pass? Oh, this is a definite buy. I mean, I, I hadn't gotten it yet. I really want to see the documentary. I haven't seen yeah. the film yet. But um, but the last, uh, I've bought most of the stuff that's come out in the last couple of years of Big Star, and I'm going to definitely go get this. And I'm I'm super excited to have so many of the musicians whom I've loved over the last decade or two all getting together in tribute to Big Star and and sharing these great songs with each other. So this is a definite buy for me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I am the same. This is definitely buy. In fact, I, I did buy it and I bought the documentary. Mm. I've watched the documentary twice now. That's pretty good um, for a music because doc. it, it is. It's very similar to, um, at least in tone, the celebratory tone that we've been talking about. There was a uh, Neil Finn uh, 
one out. Seven Worlds Collide. A wonderful record. Yeah, yes. Very, very similar. It was a bunch of live shows in uh, in Auckland, New Zealand. Mm-hmm. This has that similar vibe to it. Uh, it is it's cut and dry. It's not much of a documentary. No, I, it's just it's just it's just a concert film, guys. Well, but it, so if you want to see the documentary, you know, nothing can hurt me. Nothing can hurt me. Yeah, uh, which which is actually a really interesting. So that was that was sort of the attempt. That was a documentary doc- showing the attempt to make big stars into actual big stars and how it flamed out completely, mm-hmm. leaving the band kind of without money and without the audience that they expected to have. And kind of bereft, which is why, you know, after after number one record and after Radio City, there really wasn't a band called Big Star. There was just Alex Chilton doing right. his stuff. Right. Um, and it's a very good documentary. It's very interesting. And, of course, the book by Holly Hunter um, is also quite good. Oh, yeah. Not as Holly Hunter. I'm misremembering the name. Uh, Man Called Destruction about Alex Chilton. About how he managed to sabotage, you know, his own career prospects. <laughs> right, right. You know, despite his tremendous talent and his ability right. to write great songs, he he did a lot of things that were very counterproductive to his career later in his life. Um, yeah, and so you know, it's it's stuff bit, happens. It's bittersweet though that we get to enjoy that genius now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and and uh, I I have I mean, hopefully they're going to keep touring this around i can't see why they wouldn't um well there's an audience now which is tremendous because yeah. obviously it wasn't when big star was a band yeah yeah so um if if it comes to your town see it for sure and if any of these artists come to your town see it but more importantly uh listen to some big star absolutely listen to this and and, and uh, if this is your intro so be it man nobody's gonna judge you no it's you know it's 2017 everything's online yep uh all right Thank you, friends. Big Star's third live and more. I think we got the end more. Yep. <laughs> All the end more. Thanks. Later. But you know you don't have to. You can just say no. And there ain't no one going to turn me around. There ain't no one going to turn Thank you, friends. Big Star's Third Live and more is available now. On, I bought it on iTunes. You can get it there, but it's up on Amazon. I believe it's out on Blu-ray. Uh, you can get all kinds of places. The soundtrack is streaming on Spotify and Apple Music, if that's what you prefer. You can buy it. I think it's on CD. I'm not sure if it's on vinyl. Uh, you can buy it on digital files if you're still into that. Uh, if this is, uh, if, if you're, If you're not quite sure what big star is about and uh feel like you didn't get quite enough information please go check out the film if you've been if you've been itching trying to figure out should i should i jump in or should should i not the answer is yes you should but this is a perfect way uh to jump in because it's not just their their last and weirdest album uh it is is their entire catalog and, and it gives you gives you the scope of what this band was capable of and and how much they influenced like you heard it in the podcast right there but you'll hear Listening to Big Star, uh, all these bands, indie bands, and and power pop bands that you love today, uh, you can hear it all there and and a little bit more. So, um, before we get out of here this week, I said we're going to play a track for you, and and I I believe we're going to do that right now. Now, this is something from last year, and I think we might even play this track, but the, it keeps popping up in my playlist uh, because it's it's, a, it's an amazing song. Uh, Skylar Goodaz who We'll put a link in the show notes. She's been down here. We tossed her. 
uh, is is a singer, songwriter, uh, musician extraordinaire out of out of North Carolina. And last year she put out an album called Oleander, and this is a a sort of a under the radar thing. I mean, it got some press. Uh, we noticed it, and but it, it's it's an impeccably produced collection of songs that are funny and they're sad. They are uh, they 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 sound sometimes like Laurel Canyon, and they sound sound like Carol King. Uh, and even a little Joni Mitchell uh, thrown in there if you need some reference points for this. But uh, at the end of the day, um, what is clear, especially after seeing this film, is that she is a remarkable artist that is uh, just starting to get her due. So I uh, figure I'll help out a little with that. So here you go. This is uh, Skylar Goodass's Kick Out the Chair off her album from last year, Oh Yeah. Kick out the chair. Every line I fold under 
Kick out the chair from Skylar Goodass. Oleander is the name of the album. It is available everywhere. You can buy a damn record. And please do that. That was, I can't remember if it was my third or second favorite album last year. That That is an album that is going to sit with me and a lot of us on the site. Uh, people you hear every day like Eduardo, uh, like Marcus Dowling, uh, even Sean Barna. Uh, turn him on to that. And uh and, it, it, it's something that's gonna it's gonna sit with you and and follow you I think through the years because that good just like Big Star has I've been listening to Big Star now for f- like twenty five thirty years it never gets old and it never ages it never uh, much like the dead um, which and I said I'd, I'd, I'd say something real quick about that before we get out of here this week and and so I just finished watching the Grateful Dead documentary and much like uh, much like this concert film. If you don't know a lot about a band, the best way to get into it is a documentary. But this documentary isn't just made for newbies. It is made uh, by someone who, who clearly loves the dead, and it's made for people who who love the dead. But it also illustrates the band. Uh, it humanizes a lot of the, the uh, myth of what the Grateful Dead were and uh, what they became uh, right, up in, right up into the end when Jerry Garcia died. And uh, I, if you if you at all enjoyed us talking about these shows, uh, which are one way you can get into the dead, uh, please get if you don't have Amazon, get Amazon Prime. That's the only way you can get it right now. Uh, it's it's worth it. Sit down, spend about four hours, invite some friends over, hang out, uh, learn about this stuff, and then after you finish the film, go and like put on some dead or go grab the Cornell show off of streaming or buy it or, or something, you know, you, you can dig in, uh, and just like you can dig into big star. That's what all these, all these people doing this thing are about to, to, so we don't forget what is best about us. Uh, and, uh, you know, this stuff is getting to be 20, 30, 40 years old now. And, uh, but I think as long as people keep making films like long strange trip or like, thank you friends, that you know it's not going to get lost which is a good thing so that's it that's our podcast if you like what you heard you can cons- you can subscribe to us on iTunes you can leave us a rating or a message there you can listen to us in Stitcher Mixcloud Google Play uh, always on the site at www.chunkyglasses.com you'll see the latest episodes up top and you'll see them in our little little banner thing going by our featured stuff a lot of that stuff too is going to be our live stuff Brought to you by Matt Condon and Mauricio Castro. Uh, our Twitter feed is a mix of of sort of me um, and uh, and and them with the live stuff. That's at Chunky Glasses. But if you go over to the Instagram feed, it's pretty pretty purely just our live stuff, and that's also at Chunky Glasses. So that's a it's a good time over there. Always down. I I used to I said this before, man. I used to shoot. I shot I think like two hundred shows one year. 250 shows I, I, I used to shoot a lot of shows I got out and did all this stuff and then uh, 
for whatever reason couldn't do it anymore. But these guys are doing it. They're having a blast, and the work they're doing is remarkable. Better than I, better than I ever did. I mean, shit, <laughs> killing it. Uh, anyways, um, we're gonna be back on Thursday now with something you're gonna want to tune into. You know, we've been talking about older artists, and then we're gonna be talking about and two newer artists. Miles Mosley, you heard us review his album Uprising earlier on this year. He came to Songbird, and we got to sit down with him uh, for about half an hour and uh, shoot the shit. And it was, uh, I, I said to Eduardo, going into it, I said, hey, this might turn cosmic, and it, and it did. And it was a, uh, it was an enlightening conversation. It, it ranks amongst the my favorite conversations we've had with artists in this podcast. And uh, so, look forward to that. Uh, until then, take a few days off. Enjoy yourself. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday. So take it easy. Be good to yours. Be better to your people, people. See you soon. Oh, <laughs> 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 Kenobi!